The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Habsense Minded, the top 25 under 25. We're about to disembark really on the top 25. And uh, today we're going to talk about three prospects. Uh, we're joined uh, today, Anton and I, with another Swede, Mons Carlson, uh, chief editor of uh, the best Swedish hockey site there is, Hockey Sverige. Thank you for joining us, Mons. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to talk hockey. Indeed, and especially maybe in, in uh, late August. Huh? Yeah, of course. Season starts. Everyone is looking forward to, to hear what everyone predicts, and no one is right in the end anyway. So, so that's where we are. And a little bit like the top 25, under 25. Anton, uh, you've been part of, of, of this uh, podcasting for quite a while now, and... and uh, you obviously, you and I usually talk about the uh, the different prospects over in Europe. Oliver Kapanen, what is your take on him? Because everyone already knows mine. Yeah, well, it, it feels like there wasn't as much of a progression last season as you might would have liked from a from a late second round pick. Um, remin- a bit reminiscent of Luke Tuck in his first season after being drafted, where you just you haven't really seen something that could. Uh, potentially increase his status and mainly he has fallen down the rankings because the Canadians have had such an infuse of of youth into the system uh, both in draft and and via trades so it's really a point of strength for the Canadians development system that nowadays we can have a guy who was just a year ago selected with a 64th overall selection um barely scraping you know the the top 25 i had him at 25th and i i thought i was going to be a bit lower than most on him but apparently i was higher than most uh it was very even uh most had him around 25 26 27 28 but uh but yeah uh it just feels like if we compare him to Riley Kidney, who was selected, obviously, um, in the same range with a pick right before him, um, we just saw Kidney explode in the queue last year. And Oliver Kapanen was just not really finding his role uh, in Liga, as one would have liked. I mean, he's a great under-20s player, but we already knew that. We wanted to see him maybe progress into a, you know a senior team player more than he actually was able to. Indeed, and he's still very young. He's one of the youngest guys on the top 25 and 25 that was drafted last year. He was one of the youngest in, in the draft year last year. Um, obviously, uh, just to mention, we mentioned it in writing, but uh, Tyus Milanic and, and Winchens Rohr were more or less at the same point spread from, from uh, uh, as Kapanen. So they are bunched a little bit together. 
and uh, create their own little tire and and it could have either i mean like a vote here and there and and you go up and down a couple of spots so it's easy to remember that but the main thing and, and we're not going to leave him outside looking in uh, for, for too long but mons you're here to talk about one of the you know a little bit difficult prospects for, for montreal fans first and foremost he came over in the toilet to foley trade and um People didn't really know. He's been traded twice as well in the NHL, which makes it a little bit difficult. Uh, he was injured a lot after the trade happened as well, so you couldn't really get a lot of tape on him. But uh, Emil Heinemann, with your expertise and your knowledge of Swedish hockey, what can you tell us about him? And you haven't really heard our version, so you can't really go against anyone without... No. Without... I mean, he's just like you, you mentioned, he's... A pretty tough guy to to put in any category because he, at the same time he's a, he's kind of had that hard working role in, in Lexan hasn't played that much in the power play not that much in the penalty kill as well but at the same time he scored 11 goals last season he was um, the guy in SHL that scored double digits that had the least playing time per 60 minutes so he's probably as you can see that in that perspective he's a very effective player but at the same time I'm not so sure if he's skilled enough to reach the NHL on a permanent basis. Uh, and as you mentioned, he's been traded twice. Uh, one of them was actually in the middle of an SHL game. He was traded. I think it was the first uh, trade. The Sam Bennett trade, trade, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of kind of funny. He had no idea that he's been traded. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to, to put him in any category as of this state and also in, in the future, what, what he'll, be, he'll be become. Uh, even in the SHL, I'm not sure if he would be a star player in SHL as well, if he had that kind of, of skill, even though he's a very effective goal scorer, as you can see. I've compared his goal scoring ability a little bit to Victor Olofsson. Um, obviously, they had uh, Helberg as coach, both of them, and, and he says um, Victor Olsson has a better wrister, but but Heinemann has a great shot that can actually go through defenders. He's powerful in that regard. Um, I can see that working. Obviously, the translatable stuff into NHL is his speed and his 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 power as well and physique. Uh, I have question marks about his defensive ability, and and uh, yeah, the the fact that he's been overpassed a little bit signing a three-year contract with with Lexan just before Christmas in order I mean that to me also says none of the other teams were interested yeah yeah probably and I I think he's Lexan is a team that has a lot of offensive talent uh and they are a very top heavy team they have been a very offensive heavy team um maybe it's a little bit different this season but they have maybe seven or eight forwards that are considered star players in SHL and he is obviously not one of them yet so if he's coming back to Lexan I think he will play in maybe a third line with a with good good uh, players around him but he won't get the power play time and uh, probably not the final kill time this season either so I think it's it's hard for him to improve that kind of um, abilities as well so I think he I think it's it's tough for him to kind of re- reach the next level in Sweden as well. So I, I think he's probably going to be that kind of guy that a lot of teams, as you mentioned, maybe not see it as a more of a third-liner player 
if even that in is SHL as well, even though he scored 11 goals last season. Thinking about it, obviously we have this SHL and NHL agreement, and and he has yeah. to be offered back to Lexand. Uh, there was a an article in Express where Lexand's uh, GM Thomas Johnson went out and said clearly stated that we expect Heinemann to come back. Yeah. Uh, in one way, it's unfortunate, as you mentioned. In in Sweden, we see maybe we, we want to see them longer. We want to keep players longer uh, for obvious reasons, partly because of, of, of you know the turnover of players in general. and But also, in this case, you might almost hope that Lexan refuses him for his own benefit and be able to play in the AHL, which might suit his style better. Exactly, but that, I'm pretty sure that won't happen because they have, I think they have 12 forwards to start the season yeah. if you don't count Emil Heinemann because one of the other stars, Mark Rivik, isn't coming until a couple of weeks into the season as well. So they are pretty thin on the forward line. So I think they will bring him back um, even though maybe Montreal says they want him and that kind of stuff in the HL or anything. So I think he's kind of in, I think he's in a tough spot in that case. Obviously, he will. In a hard place. Yeah, I think exactly. I think he, of course, he will get playing time in Lexan. Maybe more than he will get in in HL, AHL. Who who knows? But I think it's tough for him to kind of reach next step in Lexan this season. I think he's kind of reached his roof, maybe in SHL as well. I think it's a very, as you mentioned, in first place. He's a very tough guy to to judge in that uh, perspective. Yeah, and, and to mention you mentioned it, Lexan's lineup is yeah is is very powerful, especially uh, the usage on the power play. Yeah. Uh, all transatlantic players coming in, they have that nose drive for the net as well, which Emil can learn from. Yeah. Uh, so, so there is that progress. One thing that might be good to come back to Sweden, which is something I think many people underestimate, is less travel to away games. Yeah. And, and you can practice. I mean, practices are, when I compare it to, to different practices I've been in around Europe, practices are harder in mid-season in SHL where there are anyone else anywhere else in Europe. So so that is probably, you know, you can build up your physique. It's not as hard in that regard. Uh, you travel well and you travel home early to, to maybe spend more nights in your own bed and relax and, and recuperate better in that regard. Yeah, and if he's come back to Lexan, one thing you can be sure of when you play in SHL is it, when you actually going to North America, you, you will be well educated. You will have that. You mentioned you had his that he had his defensive struggles. Yes, he has it now, but he's 20, 21 years old. Mm. If he plays in Lexan for two or three more years, he won't have that kind of problem because you have to have that defensive ability to play in the SHL on a regular basis because it's that kind of league. So maybe that's the positive thing also if he comes back to Lexan and plays there for a couple of seasons more. Anton, what is your take on Emil Heinemann? Because every, every, everywhere, everywhere we go, it's my objectivity that comes over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your, your objectivity, exactly. Uh, no, no, but it's difficult with Heinemann because obviously uh, being Swedish as well, you want nothing more than to have a Swedish player break through in, into the regular Montreal lineup. But it's just, it's difficult to see if Heinemann can actually, I mean, it looks like, he is, uh, you know, a scorer first and foremost and not much else. And then it's just, if you look at those kind of players, you have to have exceptional offensive ability not to be able to, um, well, if, if you're supposed to only fill a top, si- top six 
role um or else maybe you won't make it to you know the biggest league of them all altogether and i'm just wondering with Heinemann whether he's he's someone who will max out as like a middle six forward uh, you know being very good at the ahl level and then going back to the shl when he's you know reaching 27 28 we've seen a lot of those players from sweden and, and finland before who they've even put up much better numbers in in the uh you know in the national league before coming over to north america but it's just difficult to break through if you don't have the defensive awareness uh to be able to start from the bottom and get into a fourth line role and then work your way up um 11 goals was great last season uh it will be interesting to see if he stays in lex and whether he can you know improve on that um we saw with another swedish prospect matthias norlinder who we had great expectations for last year where injuries kind of got the better of him and he didn't really progress as much as one would have liked and Heinemann has also had injury issues. And if he doesn't get consistency there and he doesn't get consistency in terms of minutes either, uh, yeah, it, it will be, a, you know, kind of a, an important, well, a very important season for Heinemann just in terms of um, proving to the Montreal management that he actually is worthy of, you know, a long-term investment, especially with this influx of talent coming up into the Canadian system. Indeed, and, and it would be lovely to have a Canadian, uh, a Swedish player in the Canadians because obviously Mons will have to play a little bit more, uh, be a little bit more observant onto to that part of the ice, which... Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. <laughs> which is not the strength of Swedish media, really, the Canadians. No, <laughs> Every... no there hasn't been a Swede in top of the lineup for I don't know how many years in Montreal. I was going to say Mats Neslund, but it's yeah. Peter Popovich. <laughs> yeah, of course, Peter Popovich, the legend. Yeah, but it's it's been a while, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, there might be a Danish guy coming up into the system. Uh, Friedrich Dieschau is number 23 on the list. Uh, after a fabulous season in Hockey Allsvenskan, uh, our colleague, friend, and, and uh, who has been a guest on the pod as well, Max Strömberg pointed out in in uh, Svenska fans. I'm sorry, it's a it's a it's a competitor Mons, but but a very good <laughs> article where he put up that he could have been the MVP of of the whole hockey Allsvenskan actually because of the impact he he really had. And you can read about a little bit of that. I translated a little bit out of that into the article that is on release tomorrow. We're recording this when Heinemann's article is just out, um, but. He's moved to Frölunda, Mons. Uh, Frölunda with Lars Johansson, arguably one of the best goalkeepers in Europe. Uh, Frölunda, a, a good development program, but hasn't really succeeded with goalkeepers. No. And, and first of all, Svenska Fans is in the same company as Hockey Sverige, so it's no problem to, to, all right. to talk about them. Yeah. <laughs> to refer to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but as you say, it's last couple of seasons they've had uh, been up and down in, in the goaltenders, uh, Frölunda, with... Matt Tompkins last season who started the season great and then had a very tough second half of the season. So, but he played the Olympics for Canada. So, you know, you know, it's hard to judge him. But if take Dijo, yeah, Lashi was on probably the best keeper in in Europe. And when I I did a list on on Hockey Sverige a couple of days ago where I ranked the the goalie tandems in SHL and then I have Roland as number one. So, um, and that's yeah, of course, it's because Lashi was on first and foremost, but. 
Deco is probably the best backup, one of the best backups at least uh, in in uh, in SHL. I would I feel comfortable saying that, even though he hasn't played that, because as you said, he has a fabulous season last season in uh, Kristiansand. Um, I can't see anything else that he would improve and kind of follow that path path this season as well. Yeah, and and uh, uh, he actually did play. Was it three minutes and one shot for regular? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he has made his NHL debut. Yeah. Clean, clean yeah. sheet. Let's be honest with that. So, exactly. So that's always good. But but uh, as you mentioned, Kuhnstad, uh, super, not a team. I think every one of us in Sweden expected them to go down, <laughs> and suddenly they're in a yeah. playoff position. And a lot of it had to do with Dishal. He's huge. Uh, he also. Um, um, backstopped Denmark against uh, Russia in the Olympics and, and held them to a goal, the empty netter coming in the last two minutes. Um, what can he learn from Lars Johansson? Because actually, I think it's it's more down to that this year. Yeah, I think he can learn a lot. We see, we've seen a lot of kind of, I, this is a pre- pretty usual setup to have a veteran goalie as number one and the young goalkeeper come from Hokusanskan or the junior team as number two. And that usually works really, really well. We've seen in, in Rögle, we can compare uh, Deja with uh, Kalle Klang, who also played in Kirkansta and played for Rögle now. He's back up to Christopher Riefalk. Mm. Not He's not as close as old as Lars Johansson. I think he's 26 or some, something. But he was kind of a perfect mentor for Kalle Klang when he came up to Rögle last season. And I think We've seen in SHL that, that that has worked really, really well. We saw Arvid Söderblom in Kolefteå a couple of years ago. Had Gustav Lindvall, who is probably one of the best players in, in SHL as well. Had him as a mentor. Arvid Söderblom played one season in Kolefteå and then signed with Chicago Blackhawks. So it, I think it works really well. I think that's a perfect setup for the Frölunda as well. I think it, there's no one you can have that's a better mentor than Lars Johansson in this, in this part of Dijon's career. And Disho is going back to his favorite team growing up as well. So, so uh, it's that's pretty that, cool. That, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, obviously, the from the academy is is well known not only in Sweden but but also in in Europe and and North America. Uh, as I mentioned, though, Fronda hasn't really succeeded bringing up any of their own talent through their vast talent pool here on the west coast of Sweden. Why is that? I have no idea, actually. It's it's a really it's a mystery. I mean, I, I, mean, I mentioned uh, Arvid Söderblom. He is from from Gothenburg. He was in their junior system, but moved away. And a couple of years later, he signed an initial contract with Chicago Blackhawks. So it's it's a mystery. I, I I have no answer on this because they have so many talented players coming to their SHL team and just play a couple of years in SHL, and then it's NHL and it's the most natural thing in the world. So I I'm kind of speechless and have no good answer on that uh maybe it's that they have worked in the same way for a long time and hasn't kind of followed the development in goalies in in general i i have no idea but it's a great mystery and a great question actually so hopefully for for montreal and for dika it's he's kind of like the guy who who breaks that um bad uh, circle um obviously you you know it and, and all of the rest of us knows it but it's it's a little bit of a uh, resurgent Frölunda this year. <laughs> they invested a lot in the squad. They they were not happy with how things went last year. Uh, Roger Runby has spoken about changing his system a little bit in order to challenge for that top spot. SHL is super even. I think there yeah. are eight teams when you look at it that could win the championship down the line. Yeah. Um, 
But what is realistically, if you count in uh, Champions Hockey League as well, what it, which is starting to take off, it's soon soon actually packed up for it in about two weeks' time. Uh, but how many games can we expect Dijon to play if Lasse Johansson isn't injured? Because it goes yeah. to that as well. I think they will probably split the games in Champions Hockey League. I think he will play. He will play around half of the games there. At least in the group stage, then we'll see how how seriously Fernando takes it when they come to the playoffs. If they want to play Lazio once or more, but I think that's kind of a perfect tournament for him to to play a lot of games because in the SHL, maybe 15 games would be realistic for him to hope for of 52. So um, maybe that uh, Fernando has had a goaltender situation the last couple of years where he have split the games pretty much, mm-hmm. but I'm not so sure they can do it when you bring in Lazio once on. There's probably one of the best. Paid players in in Frölund, of course, and with his resume in, in the KHL, I think he he will probably play around thirty five to forty games and Dijon around fifteen to seventeen. Indeed, and and I'm actually just checking here um, because it was cancelled last year. But are Frölunda participating in the Spengler Cup this year? I think they no. are. Right? No, they're no. Not. I think it was another Swedish team. They that took their their spot because they were going to play there because um, the world juniors were about to play in, in the Gothenburg. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then it was moved to Edmonton uh, because every world juniors needs to be played in Canada for some reason. And uh, then the Spengler Cup was cancelled. And it be won by Canada as well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then the Spengler Cup was cancelled. So it didn't matter anyway. And the world juniors were moved. So it didn't matter anyway. But I think it's Odebrew or something like that will play in Spain Club this season. Before we end, yeah. I just want to say about, about Dishov and his development, because this is a guy who played six games in total in 2021 and just bounced around on loan in Denmark. And then he goes into Kruhansta this year, plays 28 games and six playoff games and just knocks it out of the park. And I just wanted to say, like, in 2021, I had him in 40th. Uh, in 40th on um, on the top 25, he he had the 35th overall spot out of 41 players. And this year he moves up into the top 25. I was the one who had him very much higher than anyone else. I had him at 12th this year. And I think he deserves it. Um, I have no problem with that at all. I, I just, I am amazed by, you know, goalies continue to develop until they're, you know, late in their 20s. And he's still only, you know, 21 um and i could not have seen this kind of development at all a year ago uh, he was basically a wash at that point and it feels like montreal kind of thought that as well since you know they've continued to take you know one goalie per draft one big goalie per draft but uh, yeah great development wonderful to see and i think just going to Ferlunda and actually backing up uh, a super super professional in Lars Johansson will be perfect for him because everything happened so fast for him last season that it could just be good for him to move up a level but not having to be in the spotlight all the time actually being able to just take in what he has you know what has happened in the last year and and you know growing in a great system and obviously I follow Disha for quite a bit so I'm going to give Mons a tidbit here to look into and and for his next interview with Disha he spent a quite a bit of time i don't know how much but he he mentioned that even if he only played six games last year or the year before in in denmark he spent quite some time with a sports psychologist and he was very open with that because he he was 
very immature when he played in Malmö in the under 20s. He he lashed out to refs. He lashed out to to his own defense and and very often when he let a goal in, he would let another goal in on the next shot. And uh, yeah. that hasn't really happened to the same degree after that. And I'm really proud of and 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 supportive of Disha to be able to speak about that in 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 general terms. Uh, so, so there's something for you, Mons, to for yeah, for the great. future. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but you've been listening to Patrick Bexel, uh, Anton Rossegård, uh, Mons Carlson, and you find Mons Carlson on uh, Hockey Sverige, and uh, very much a, a great editor and a great site. Um, you might have to pay for it though, because good journalism <laughs> pay it costs a little bit of money to to pr- produce. Uh, you find Mons at Mons uh, Carlson with double S and Y-A-O at the end. I will be sure to link it in both the podcast and uh, in the article that when we, uh, when we publish it. Now there's been too much Swedish in my head, so I'm just going to sign off here and thank you both for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs>